pardon my voice this morning. I decided I was going to try to sound like Brother Hayden here. So, but uh, not uh, my poor wifey. She's home so sick. But uh, she's praying or puking or something. I don't know what she's doing there. But um, she's so pray for us. And uh, I've taken drugs, so I should be all right. And um, a little bit dizzy. So if I hack or if I fall over, just don't worry. It's going to be all right. And um, really, it only hurts when I breathe. So um, Jesus Christ was born to bring peace. That is exactly what Isaiah declared, and that is what the angels sang. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And isn't that what we want? We want peace on earth. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And when someone says the word shalom, we might imagine that what they're saying is that they are wishing for you something that is good. But the word peace, to most people, means uh, the absence of the negative. We hope for you that nothing bad happens. But the word shalom actually doesn't, which is the most common word in the Hebrew Bible for peace, it doesn't actually mean the absence of the negative. It actually means the highest good coming your way. If I were to say shalom, we might imagine, oh, they're just saying we don't hope nothing bad happens. No, it actually means I am hoping that all the good of God comes your way. Most people in this world don't understand the positive concept of peace. To most people, it is merely the absence of the negative. As long as there's nothing bad happening, we can have peace. But according to Scripture, peace on earth is what happens when it is the blessings of God on the soul of a human being. As I was looking through Scripture and going through this four-week message series, I've just had such a delightful time, and I felt so much the presence of God. But as I was realizing in Scripture that actually peace is not something that is static, it is actually something that is very dynamic. It, is, it ranges all the way from no peace to this perfect and settled peace. There are proportions of peace. Hence the title this morning, There Are Points of Peace. A, uh, I read a funny story that uh, I think fits in here. A man, uh, and especially when we realize what goes on in this world, but a man was passing by a cage at a zoo. As he passed by that cage, he saw that in that cage was both a lion, big, large lion, and a very active monkey. He saw a zoo worker nearby, and he asked him, he said, hey, how does that work, having a, both a lion and a monkey in the same cage? He said, well, for the most part, it's quite peaceful. He said, well, do they ever not get along? He said, well, 
Every once in a while, they don't. He said, what happens then? He said, we just get a new monkey. <laughs> yep. And uh, that's actually the most people's concept of peace right there. Well, I, I don't want to get a new monkey. I just want to carry on here today. So let's all bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. And I do pray, Lord, thank you for sickness. It does remind us how good it is to be well. Thank you that you're healing God. Thank you that, Lord, you bless medicine. But, Lord, you're the healer, and we proclaim that. And, God, would you give us peace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the biblical concept of peace does not focus on the absence of trouble, but on the presence of God's strength and God's peace. It is a quality of life, not touched by what happens on the outside. The fact is, when a person has inner peace, God's peace, he can still have peace even in the most trying of circumstances. And in that regard, then, peace is proportional, or there are points to peace. Let's talk about the points of peace this morning. Number one, there is a condition of simply having no peace. There is no peace. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 5, the Bible talks about a time when there was no peace. In verse 5, and in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon the inhabitants of the country. This is a story about good King Asa, a godly man. And King Asa had just had a great victory, and I'm sure he was very excited and very blessed. But a prophet comes by, ordered by God, and he comes to warn them that they should not take peace for granted. It was not something that was a guarantee. They should realize that peace was a product of the blessing of God. And in this little passage here, he tells them that having obtained victory, they need to realize that God is the one who is the peace giver. Notice what it says in verse number three. It says, now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. Israel, it says here, there was a time of no peace. What was this time? They were going out. They would have fight on this hand. They would have a battle on this hand. And to make matters worse, they didn't have any positive preaching. Verse number three, for a long season, Israel had been without the true God. It wasn't that God wasn't there. It was the fact that they weren't able to hear God because there was not a Bible preaching ministry that was active. They were having to go a long way before they could hear the Word of God. And today we live in the same type of a day. We live in the kind of a day when there really is a very little worship, what it says here, of a true God. Despite all of mankind's education and all the organized uh, efforts towards world peace, the fact is we have more wars today than there's ever been. In fact, uh, I think 100 years ago, they had estimated that there was at least three new wars every year. 
And yet today, 100 years later, we have more education. We have more uh, people blessing things like hospitals and other things. And yet, I think the uh, average now, from what I read, is up to four wars every new year. The fact is, people don't get peace from education. They get peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. This world uh, thinks that peace comes from maybe just uh, going out and having some alcohol or smoking some dope or, you know, going, doing something like that. But the fact is, peace doesn't come that way. The peace of getting buzzed is like putting blinders on. It's fleeting and it's worthless and it's mock peace. And the fact is, if that person ever realized that their eternity was hanging in the balance, they wouldn't have any peace at all. Peace comes from God. The truth is, the only real peace that a person can have is when they have the peace of God in their heart. And that's what it says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20. It says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's where peace comes from. It comes from the blood of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all come into this world fighting against God. We all come into this world needing God. And yet we find that it is through Jesus Christ that our peace comes. And he made peace through the blood of his cross. And that's what he did. Jesus Christ reached up and took the hand of the Father. And then he reached down and took the hand of mankind. And he brought the two together. It was by the blood of the cross that peace was made. I read a story, a powerful story, really, from a a war zone in the early 1900s. On this particular battlefield, the communications were vital, trying to get, making sure that everyone knew exactly what needed to be done. And in the midst of this very intense battle, a communication line was severed. A soldier who was in the communication corps said, I believe I can help this. I believe I can help go put those two lines together. They said, it's dangerous. You shouldn't go. But he said, if I don't go, the battle will be lost. And so this communications soldier ran out there to the field. And under heavy artillery, he went out and he tried to patch that power line and bring them together. He took a hold of a dead wire with his one hand. He took the live wire with his other hand. And just as he is about ready to put them together, his body was hit by bullets, riddled. He died while still grasping those two wires. But amazingly, his body became the conduit and the message flowed right through his body and the battle was won. That reminds me of another battle. This one is for the souls of mankind. Jesus, through his death on the cross, took a hold of that which was dead, mankind. And he took a hold of that which was alive, God. And through, the, through him, the message of peace and the battle has been won. There are, are six points of peace. There is no peace. No peace happens when people don't have God. They don't have the word of God. But there is a second point of peace, and that is sown peace. 
In James chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them which make peace. Now, if there's going to be peace in our life, we have to sow it. That means we have to plant it. Now, years ago, I decided I was going to try to do some planting. We did this kind of planting and this kind of planting, and about the only thing I could really grow was zucchini squash. And, uh, but my squash didn't look like squash. They looked like big giant bats. And uh, they were about that long, about this round. They tasted terrible. But uh, after a while, I just decided I wasn't cut out for uh, vegetable uh, farming at all. But other people do it wonderful. And I love especially those tomatoes. There's nothing like them. But I will tell you this. One thing I did learn And that is, I put those little radish seeds in there. can't really even see those things. I put those little radish seeds in there, and uh, it wasn't very long. They germinate real fast. But after about three or four weeks, I looked down there, and there were radishes coming up. Now, you say, well, what's so strange about that? There's nothing strange about that. That's the point. You plant radish seeds, you get radishes. And uh, you plant radishes radishes, you won't get onions. That's just not the way it works. And the same thing is true with peace. If you want to have peace, then you need to make sure you plant, sow seeds of peace. People say, well, I've tried to have peace in my house and I've tried to have peace in my life and I've had tried to have peace in this relationship, but it didn't work. That's exactly right. It won't work. Because see, uh, peace is a seed. You don't have it. You plant it. You can't make somebody be at peace with you. I mean, that's not going to work. I demand you have peace with me. All right, that's really going to work. You know, it doesn't work. But what we can do is we can plant it. It's like trying to create a seed. You know, people say, well, I don't need God. It's just my hard work. And I go out there and I... Uh, Plant that field. Okay, then make yourself a seed. (laughs) No, you need a seed, don't you? Because that's a God thing. When you plant a seed, it's a God thing. Peace is the result of a seed. You can't make peace. You can't make somebody be at peace. But you can plant seeds. You can um, reach out and you can be kind to someone. And here's what God said. God said, I am the peace giver. In fact, over and over again, the Bible says God is the God of peace. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. In Hebrews 13 verse 20, God is called the God of peace. That means that peace comes from God. I, if I want to have peace, then I have to go to God because that's where the planting comes from. Jesus said, my peace I give. He didn't say, I'm going to give you world peace. I understand there's somebody named himself world peace. <laughs> Can you imagine? But I'll tell you one thing. He doesn't have peace unless he has Jesus Christ because the Bible says, my peace I give. The key of real peace then is to have Jesus Christ because God owns peace. 
I say that again. That's a good place for an amen. I may not sound real good, but that's a good place for amen. God owns peace. He owns it. (laughs) Jesus said, my peace I give. People say, well, we're going to have peace. You won't have peace unless you have God because he owns it. (laughs) You can't have peace unless you talk to the one who owns it. Can you imagine how confounded his enemies must have been when Jesus was always at peace? Jesus was never stressed out. He may have been grieved over sin. He may have been hurt over seeing people's lives being destroyed. He wept at the death of his friend, but he was still at peace. Remember, as he stood before Pilate, He was so calm. In fact, it infuriated Pilate, this Roman uh, procurator. In John chapter 19, verse number 10, it says, uh, Pilate yelled at him and he said, Knowest not thou that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? He was used to people just falling over, you know, and, and just being all scared before him. And Jesus, in perfect peace, replied to Pilate. He said, you could have no peace, no power at all, unless it was given to thee from above. You could have no power if it wasn't given to you by God, because God is the one who has the power. Jesus had lived a life of righteousness, and now at his death, he was facing all of this in great peace. Throughout the New Testament, God is viewed as the dispenser of peace. Remember what Peter preached in Acts chapter 10 and verse 36? He said, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Preaching peace by Jesus Christ. And so if we're going to sow peace, then there are two things we need to decide to do. You'd say, well, how can I bring peace to my home? How can I bring peace to my life? How can I bring peace to my family? How can I bring peace? There's two things everybody needs to do. The first thing is get saved. Just get saved. I mean, if you think you're going to have peace by, you know, having wine, or I'm going to have peace by having a better car or better job or better relationship, It's not that those things are especially wrong, but I will say this. Unless you get saved, you can't have peace. Get saved. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what gives us peace. And then the second thing is this. Decide to do right. I mean, just make that decision. First of all, I'm going to get saved. And number two, I'm just going to do right. I'm not going to wobble with the truth. I'm not going to maybe serve God for a while and serve the devil for a while. I am going to serve God. Do right. Do right. Like the old preacher used to say, do right until the stars fall. Someone once wisely said, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And it is so true. A destiny of peace all began with sowing seeds of righteousness. 
That's what brings peace. Living a righteous life. Why was Jesus calm before Pilate? He had lived a holy life. He lived to just simply do right. Now, there are six points I see in Scripture of peace. The first one is no peace. In this world, nobody has peace unless you have God because God owns peace. Number two, then there is sown peace. So the first step would be no peace. The second step would be then, okay, I'm going to sow seeds of peace. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to determine to do right. Now we're sowing seeds of peace. That's the, you say, well, how can I have a good marriage? Get saved. So live to do right. And then watch things begin to change. Then peace begins to be multiplied. Number three, there is multiplied peace. In Peter's salutation in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Peace be multiplied. Now there are two blessings that everybody desires in life. We see them here. The first one is grace. We need the grace of God, the favor of God, and the favor with God. We all desire and hunger for grace, and then peace. But we don't want just peace. We want peace to be multiplied. I mean, I love it when I, uh, I was thinking last Sunday night, I was uh, driving along, and we were, uh, we just had such a wonderful week of serving the Lord, and I just felt His anointing. Uh, every service of the drama just felt his anointing and it seemed to be growing. I sensed it in the church. I sensed it in the people's lives. Uh, I just, uh, Sunday morning, we had such a gr- uh, glorious service. And I remember sin- Sunday night, I just had such a tremendous feeling of just peace. And uh, I just, we were driving along there in Lodi for a few minutes and I was just thinking what a blessing it is to just feel at peace, to be mentally at peace, at peace in my relationships, at peace in my ministry, at peace in my health. And then (laughs) things happen this week. And uh, I don't have peace in my health this week. But, you know, at that moment, I just sensed, you know, I'm just thankful. And what I sensed was God was multiplying peace. Now, I had peace. But for some reason, at that moment, it was just being multiplied. And I think that happens because of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. I don't believe we can have peace unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get peace. Man, I mean, it it just flows in you. You're just so excited because and you just feel so content because of the peace of God. You'd say, well, pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there's three, the three D's. The first D is desire. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Desire. The Bible says, he that thirsts, hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. You'd say, well, how can I be thirsty for God? Well, here's what I found out about getting thirsty. 
If I don't ever work, I don't get thirsty. I mean, if I just sit around all day, I can take a few drinks of water in the morning, never have to drink anything all day long. But if I get out there and work hard or exercise, man, I get thirsty. Working for God makes one thirsty, thirsty for his power. You go out and hand out a few tracks. This week I was with some guys and golfing, and they were vile guys and uh, crude suckers, I'll tell you for sure. And uh, I just had met up with them. Nice guys, really, but man, they were crude, crude dudes. Every other word was a F-bomb, you know. And uh, they, uh, a few of them started to take the name Lord in vain. And I, um, one guy hollered out across the way there. He said, he said to his friends, go to hell. And he started laughing, you know. And the other guy said, oh, well, I'll be there with all your friends, you know. And they started laughing back. I realized, okay, this is my, they had no idea they were playing with a preacher. And uh, I figured, well, okay, here's my time. I said, gentlemen, I am so glad to hear you talking about heaven and hell. And uh, they look at me. I said, I'm really comfortable with that subject. And uh, I said, I'm a preacher. And the other guy looked at the other fellow. He said, see what I told you right there. And, uh, and he said, you need to stop your cussing. And the other guy said, why, you were cussing too. And uh, anyway, not too long. I, before we left there, we, they had actually uh, become my friends. And I gave them all gospel tracts, five of them, gave them all gospel tracts. But uh, I tell you one thing, you know what? I realized God was making me thirsty right there. I needed his power. And uh, God, I need you. You know, when you're in the midst of the battle, you need God. And uh, you know, you don't, uh, if you just always sit around, never get out there in the thick of things, you don't need his power. But when you're in the thick of things, you need power, desire, then duty. Duty. The Bible says he gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey him. Obedience. It's how can I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled by desire. Then obey. Just simply obey the Bible. And finally, devotion. The Bible says if you will ask, he will give you the Holy Spirit. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a scorpion or, or a stone. He said ask for the Holy Spirit. And so what do I want? I want peace, but I want peace multiplied. I don't want just a little peace. I want this overwhelming sense of peace like I felt last Sunday night. I mean, it was just like I was just flooded with peace. I just I felt so at peace, and I realized I was being filled with the Spirit at that moment. And that's what happens, I believe, when we have a holy desire, when we have a godly duty, and when we have great devotion, the three D's. Someone once said, if you want to know what you're filled with, if you want to know what you're filled with, then just see what spills out when you're jostled around. You know, you take something in your hand there, put it on your uh, console there in your car, and you go over to bumps and start shaking it, you'll find out what's inside that cup. And the fact is, when we go through the rough patches in life, we find out what's in us. If what comes out of us is mean, if what comes out of us is nasty, 
If what comes out of us is critical, we find out we don't have peace in us. But when we have the Holy Spirit in us, peace comes out. I can tell when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit because peace comes out of them. The Holy Spirit is the author of peace. It's multiplied. And then there is a fourth point of peace, and that is abundant peace. Now, there is no peace. You can't uh, have peace unless you know God. Then there is sown peace. You take seeds of righteousness. You begin to plant them, and all of a sudden, peace comes. And then multiplied peace. It just begins to flood your soul. That comes when we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, number four, abundant peace. It then rolls from being filled to just having this abundant peace. Look what it says in Psalm 72 and verse 7. In his days shall the righteous flourish and the abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Peace that is based upon righteousness is lasting peace. Peace that comes from the Holy Spirit is abundant peace. Peace, abundant peace. The Bible says once the Holy Spirit begins to fill you, it goes from being multiplied to just abundant, and it starts spilling over. Your cup runs over. It's abundant in its depth. It's abundant in its duration. So long as the moon endureth, look what it says. Your peace will be like, um, it, as long as there's a sun in the sky, as long as there is moon, the Bible says that it, you will have peace because that's what the Holy Spirit brings. And actually, Psalm 72, I'm sure, is a prophecy of the millennium in Technically, if you were uh, looking at this verse uh, for its main interpretation, it would be this, that when the millennium comes, when Jesus comes to set up God's righteousness on this earth, there's going to be peace everywhere. Not like today, where there's a little peace maybe here, a little peace over there, peace in this home, peace in this home. The Bible says in the millennium, there's going to be peace everywhere, peace in every neighborhood, peace in every government. Peace everywhere is just going to be an abundance of peace. But I believe that God is also telling us that we can have a little bit of millennium even right now. I believe when Jesus comes into our life, we can have heaven on earth. In fact, that's what the prophet said in Isaiah 66 and verse 12. It said, peace will be like a river. For thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 66, 12, for thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Peace like a river. Like a river that just flows towards the ocean. And every few miles, another little stream comes into it. And pretty soon that peace gets bigger. And then you go down a few more miles and more water comes into it. I've been there and uh, New Orleans, where you see the uh, mouth of the Mississippi River. And I mean, that thing looks so wide, you can't even hardly see across it. And that's because it started way up there and up by Canada, I think. And it just 
may have been a small stream up there, but by the time he gets all the way down there to that port, it is huge. And that's what happens with peace. God said that when the Holy Spirit multiplies peace in our life, every day we live, every month we live, it just gets sweeter than the day before. Like the old Gaither song, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he gets. God promised to be a river, a river of peace, loving the Bible, loving God, serving God. It's like a river. It just, it just flows in you and it flows out of you. And that's what Jeremiah the prophet promised in Jeremiah 33. It says, behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them and will reveal them under the abundance of peace. That is what's going to happen during this millennial period. And God gives us a little bit of taste of it now. Sometimes in our life we look around and we say, it's amazing. I mean, I thank God for my marriage. I thank God for the home he's given me. I thank God for the family. Thank God for the church and for the job and for the health. I mean, I just, they just seem to, the blessings are just rolling over me. And there's a peace. Well, that's that river. That's what the Holy Spirit promised. It comes because we keep doing right. Here's what I've noticed about doing right. It just adds up. And pretty soon it becomes this river of peace. That's what John said. John said, Jesus came that we might have life. But he also came that we might have life more abundantly. The abundant life. Not just living, but abundant living. Vance Havner was an old Southern Baptist preacher. He's with the Lord now. He was well known for his keen wit and very uh, uh, delightful uh, writing style. But uh, Vance Havner once said, he said that people are trying to find peace with four different T's. The first one is treaties, peace treaties. And he mentioned, you know, the the fact is, though, that peace treaties are never going to bring peace because the fact is a scrap of paper means nothing to evil people. And uh, people say, well, you know, um, we have this treaty and this treaty. Certainly nothing wrong with trying to talk about it, but the fact is treaties don't bring peace. Peace comes when people do righteousness. The second T is thrills. People think that if they could just have enough pleasure and enough uh, fun, they could have peace. The only problem is thrills only last so long, and then we got to get the next thrill. So that doesn't bring it. And then things. First thing is treaties, and the second one is thrills. The third one is things. People think things will make us happy. But the only problem about having things is, you know, it, you just got more things to worry about. It doesn't really help us like we think. I read the story of a very lonely guy. This very lonely guy felt like if he could just have a pet, he would be so happy. He just wasn't having much success with women and wasn't having much success in his relationships. So he decided if he could just have a pet, he'd be really happy. So he went to the pet store. He told the owner, I want to buy a very unusual pet. After some discussion, they decided 
on a centipede. And he put that thing in a box. So he got that little centipede. He got it home and he decided he would uh, start his relationship off with his little pet friend by taking it to dinner. So he asked the centipede in the box, would you like to go to Wendy's with me to have dinner? The little, little centipede didn't answer him, and it bothered him a bit, but he, so he waited a few minutes, and then he asked again. He said, how about going to Wendy's with me? Again, no answer from his new friend and his pet. So he waited a few more minutes thinking about the situation. This time, though, he decided he'd get this centipede's attention. He put his face up to that box and he shouted, hey, in there, would you like to go to Wendy's with me to have dinner? And a little tiny voice came out of the box from the centipede. I heard you the first time. I'm putting on my shoes. <laughs> That's a crazy story. And, and uh, the fact is, pets don't always bring peace. <laughs> And if you've ever had a dog or some of these other, you'll find out that doesn't have the peace you think. And so I would say this, that as Vance Havner said, treaties don't bring peace. And thrills don't bring peace. and Things don't bring peace. And number four, theories don't bring peace. People think, well, if I'll, I'll go to, you know, over here to the mountains and I'll sit up here and, you know, eat bird seed and I'll just, you know, commune with nature and I'll have peace and bring peace. Theories don't bring peace. There are six points of peace. No peace, sown peace, multiplied peace, abundant peace, and then number five, great peace. Great peace. Once that Holy Spirit begins to multiply peace, it just becomes abundant. And then it becomes great peace. Psalm 119, verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When a believer's life is governed by the principle of a love for God's word, abundant peace comes. I was talking with someone recently, and I was mentioning how that you know, I, was, we, I had done some study on the subject of what the Bible says about our personal finances and how that, you know, how important it is to stay free. And um, he, uh, he's a believer, but he said, you know, I've never really had much of a problem with that issue of uh, going into debt. You know, I've just felt like if it was necessary, that's what I would do. I didn't say it to him because... I was trying to have a nice conversation and not be too uh, uh, snipey, but, um, but uh, I thought about that later. I thought, you know, that actually is a pretty, uh, um, pretty common way to treat God's Word, unfortunately so. <laughs> God's Word is convenient, or it's, if it's inconvenient, I don't have a problem with it because I just don't obey it. His problem was, you know, and I thought later, yeah, but if you desire to be biblically obedient, it should bother you. What the Bible says is important. 
And I certainly wouldn't want to obey the Bible, I mean disobey the Bible just because I wanted to have another car or I wanted to have something else. I want to make sure I do what's right. Make sure I just do what's right. And that's what the Bible says. Abundant peace, great peace comes when we love the Bible. But notice what it says. It's not just loving the Bible. It's loving God's law. It's loving God's law. Now, everybody loves the Psalms. Who couldn't love, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everybody loves that. But when you begin to love the law of God, I've heard people say, boy, you know, the, the law condemns. Well, yeah, it condemns if you're not living right. <laughs> but Paul said, I've come to the point where I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now, how, how could he come to the point where he was delighting in the word of God? Because the word of God was a light to his path. It was a protection to him. It was a inspiration to him. It was a, an encouragement to him. And so the law began to be a wonderful. It's, a, you know, when you can count on something, that's very good. And God's word you can count on. David said the statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice the heart. Sometimes people in this world say, you Christians, you know, you don't have any fun. You can't go out drinking. You can't go clubbing. You know, you got to give up your Sundays. The fact is, Christians don't need that. Christ never did that. I never read in the Bible that Jesus lived this really sad life, and he always felt bad because he couldn't go drinking, couldn't go clubbing. No, the fact is, Jesus didn't need that, and neither do you and I. The fact is, church is not only inspiring, it's fun. I will tell you this, the funnest and the most hilarious times I've ever had in my life are in church. Absolutely. I have laughed more. I have had such a great time all my life. It's always been the best. It's been in church. I love to serve God, and I love to be in church, and I love God's people. And that's what, because there's abundant peace there, and that's what God promised. Now, there are six points of peace in Scripture. There's no peace, and nobody can have peace that doesn't know God. I mean, it's impossible because God owns peace. He owns it. Jesus said, my peace I give. And so since God owns it, if you don't have it, if you don't have God, you can't have it. Number two, if I'm going to get peace, I don't just make it. I have to sow seeds in a relationship. You just plant seeds. You plant seeds of kindness. You plant seeds of friendliness. You plant seeds of sweetness and gentleness. If I want peace in a relationship, if I want peace in my finances, you plant seeds of oh, being obedient and, and doing what's right with your finances. And so you sow peace. And then when you sow peace, God begins to multiply it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to multiply peace. And you think, man, hallelujah. That all happened because you listened to the Holy Spirit. And then it goes to this abundant peace. It just begins to be like a river. 
And as you go through life, one little stream comes along. And at first it was just peace in the relationship. Then it began to be financial peace. Then it began to be peace in my mind. And pretty soon it just goes from one piece to the another. Pretty soon it's just abundant. And it's like a river, God said. In fact, it's a little bit <clears throat> like having the millennium come into my life. And then finally, our number five, there is great peace. Great peace. Great peace comes when we love the law of God. I mean, everything in my life, I just want to make it obedient to the Bible. If it's biblical, I want to do it. And you can count on great peace. And then there is a final point, and that is perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's when you arrive at a settled place. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Perfect peace. His mind is stayed on thee, focused on the Lord, focused on everything that he has done for me, focused on and just keep my mind on the Lord all day, all the time and everything in my life. I close with this story. There was a little lady who was very sick. She was so sick that she was about to die. A doctor came to her loved ones and said, she will not make it. It's, uh, it's very serious. She's not going to live. Now it's your decision whether or not you want to tell her. The family got together and said, you know, I think if a person's going to die, they ought to know it and ought to be told it. And so they came to their loved one and said in as nice as terms as they could, do you realize how sick you are? She nodded her head that she did. And they said, do you know that the doctor says you're not going to live much longer? Do you understand that? Again, she nodded her head and she had such a look of peace on her face. They said, have you made your peace with God? And she shook her head, no. She was still smiling, but she said no. They said, well, maybe she didn't understand. So they told her again. They said, you're very sick. The doctor says you're going to die. And we feel like that you should make sure that you made your peace with God. Have you made your peace with God? And she said no. And she was smiling. They said, well, now we don't understand. Why haven't you made your peace with God? You're, you're going to die. You need to make your peace with God. And then a big smile broke out on her face. And she said, I have no need to make peace with God. Because Jesus already made my peace for me when he died on the cross. He made the peace for me. And folks, that's where our peace comes from. Perfect peace comes when we're focused on what God has done. Would you bow your heads with me, please?